This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. Do you remember a uh, Texas Tech women's golfer by the name of Gabby Lemieux? I do not. Okay. Um, Have you heard about this story? I have not. Okay. So she has been uh, on the uh, Epson tour and was in the first stage of the LPGA qualifying school. She's 27 years old now, and she played collegiately here at Texas Tech. She called out her playing partner for cheating, saying that her opponent incorrectly marked and replaced her ball in the green. The person didn't put their ball back correctly. Unfortunately, it's not my word against hers. Our playing partners and caddies witnessed it also. If you want to play professional golf, even if it was a half inch off, it's still cheating. Okay? So she reported that to the tournament officials after finishing her round. I wonder if she felt like it was intentional or not. I, that would be my guess. That, mm-hmm. that, that would be my guess. That might, it would probably be my guess that it was probably not the first time that she had witnessed that. Maybe or, so. Or, or that particular... From that particular girl. That particular player. Unfortunately for Lemieux, okay, after she finished her round, uh, she went into, you know, wherever they review the scores, and in the process of doing so, she signed the wrong scorecard. She said, the lady repeated 75 back to me. I acknowledged that it was right. Score on 15 was wrong. I bogeyed the hole instead of parring. I was sitting in the car when I noticed they had me for a 74. And so then she went back inside to make sure the score wasn't wrong online. She discovered that she did indeed, for a fact, sign the wrong scorecard. And she DQ'd from stage one. So she called out a cheater. And then she turned herself in for signing in a a bad scorecard. So good on her. Yeah. I mean, good good on her. It's unfortunate because it's costly. She said, I did my part to save the field from a cheater. Unfortunately, I was too consumed with that to realize the score was wrong on my scorecard. I'm glad that I noticed and called myself out. We need more honest people and better professionals to hold themselves to higher standards so we don't have to worry about this. There's a, there's a part of me that's like, okay, should she just stay in her own lane and just worried about her or... You know, she did the right thing. I think she did the right thing. Unfortunately, she got a little distracted when she was doing her own scorecard. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the case. Um, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I, I don't know about the whole staying in the lane thing. I wonder if it was they felt like uh, her and her playing partners all <clears throat> felt like it was intentional that the the other girl mm-hmm. was putting it down in the wrong spot. Um, if they had seen it before, that wasn't the first hole that they had noticed it. And felt like this was something that was happening frequently. Then I don't think it was bad that they brought it out. It's just unfortunate she got herself yeah. kind of distracted that she signed a didn't pay attention to what she was signing on her yeah. scorecard. Yeah, I feel like she she played it right. Yeah, counts here. Yeah. yeah, so good good for her for at least uh, doing that and then uh, acknowledging that she she too had made a mistake and then uh, put herself in a put herself in a bad bad spot. Uh, I saw this Tech Baseball news yesterday. I'm sure you did, too, uh, with regard to uh, Chase Hampton. Um, so he, uh, he was named the top pitching prospect in the South Atlantic yesterday by Baseball America. 
number 53 prospect in all of baseball, according to the publication. Hampton was tabbed the top pitcher in high A after pitching a 2.68 ERA in 47 innings before being called up to double A Somerset. So looks like he's on his way. Yeah, Chase is really just, I don't want to say come from nowhere because, I mean, we know, we know where he's come from, but he was a sixth-round selection, um, a guy that um, was an early draft guy. You know, you were hoping for a third year for the Red Raiders, but he had turned 21 in time to go in early. And um, uh, if you remember that second season for Chase, he really, really struggled Early on, he was sick in the middle of the year, and just uh, it took him a while to get going. But by the end of the season, uh, man, he was he was nails. He was he was really really good. And uh, you had hoped you were going to get Chase back, and and you didn't. And um, the Yankees drafted him, and then he's been just I mean just moving up their prospect charts big time um, since then. And um, you know Clayton Beaters and in the Yankees system too, and Beater at one point was higher than Hampton, and Hampton is now kind of leapfrogged over the top of him. So great for Chase. I think that's awesome that he continues to. Uh, I mean, it just feels like he's he's really hitting his stride right now. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he didn't necessarily hit it with the Red Raiders because he was good, um, but uh, like I said, he just kind of really struggled his second season at the beginning of the year, and and there were some health issues there. Not necessarily injuries, but just plain health, or that he struggled with. And um, man, he looks like he's destined for the big leagues here, and within a couple of years, or or maybe, maybe sooner. sooner. Yeah. yeah, maybe sooner. Four and three with a three sixty three ERA. He struck out one hundred forty five batters in one hundred six innings and two thirds uh, between the two uh, two st- st- stuff that he's two two levels that he's pitched in. How cool would it be if both him and Beater both made it to the big leagues and they were two fifths of the Yankees starting rotation? <laughs> That's a bit, sure, it'd be great. Be great. <laughs> it, it does seem like, and you know, I'll be I'll be curious how much, if any time, he spends in Triple A because I think sometimes you're you move from Double A to Triple A, from Double A to, to the major league level. It used to be you had to go through the Triple A level, but it seems like now sometimes guys you see guys leapfrog, leap, yeah. leapfrog the Triple A mm-hmm. level, yeah. Yeah, Yankees are definitely going with a youth movement right now, so maybe that gives those guys a chance to get up quicker. They could use some help, couldn't they? Be another guy for you to get, uh, maybe get some tickets from. I don't know. I Did don't you have know. a good relationship with him? Were you nice yeah, to him? Okay. Yeah, oh, that's good. Chase uh, is an East Texas guy like me, so. Oh, yeah. We share a lot of yeah, these guys. You guys are thick as thieves, right? Yeah. Uh, this from the H Point Center chat line. Drove by the stadium this morning. It looks straight up daylight inside. Yeah, that's that's a common occurrence, really, since, man, as soon as they got those new lights up, uh, even with the old lights as they've been working on the stadium and trying to get it, uh, get it ready. Uh, we're going to have uh, a couple of guests on throughout our, our various shows, Matt Dowdy and uh, Robert Giovanetti, to kind of help you get ready for the game on Saturday. They encourage you to get to the stadium early. Uh, you need to know that there's no... That should be every week. It should be, but there's no pedestrian walkway on the on the south end. Uh, so if you want to go from the east to the to the west, to the west to the east, you got to use the north end of the stadium. Um, I'll be curious to see how the red lights look, and hopefully they get to light them up some uh, on Saturday night uh, so with some touchdowns and how, how quickly it goes from all white to all red and then back to the all white um it's like the flick of a switch um also just be curious to see how bright it is inside the stadium uh when it's all said and done just in 
regular viewing. Uh, so excited to see uh, that place full on uh, Saturday night as Texas Tech takes on Oregon. Take you ready to the ball game. You can listen to Double T 97.3 and uh, hear all the excitement as uh, we take on the uh, Oregon Ducks on Saturday. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. 1963, historian Lee Allen says the Cleveland Indians Washington Senators game that day is the 100,000th Major League Baseball game in history. Hmm. Was there a dispute? I don't know. Okay. I, he just, this is what he said. He declared it. Okay. Around here, we do that all the time. I got no issue with it. Okay. 1977, Angels acquired Dave Kingman from the Padres for cash. Nine days later, the Yankees would buy him uh, from the Angels. By the way, he had started with the Mets that year. I think the Angels were on a little bit of a run there in the West trying to see if they could capture a little magic. Well, the the catch here is that uh, Dave Kingman becomes the first player who plays in all four divisions in the same season. (laughs) Wow. Wow, that's crazy. 1995, we talked about this kind of yesterday. Cal Ripken played a game, specifically 2,131 breaking Lou Gehrig's all-time consecutive game streak record. Mm. 1996, a year later, Baltimore Orioles' Eddie Murray, 500 career home runs. And in 2020, the world number one tennis player, Novak Djokovic, is sensationally disqualified in the fourth round of the U.S. Open after hitting a ball in frustration, striking a line judge. Seems harsh, but... You can't do that. Yeah, that was a little bit of an awkward deal. It's National Coffee Ice Cream Day. uh, Jamocha, I think is what we called that at the 31 Flavors. It was really good. You would probably not like it. No, I I don't like coffee flavors. Uh, But a coffee shake was always, it was a different taste. It was a Mm -hmm. kind of, every once in a while, it was like, I think I'll have have a little coffee shake there. Okay. Uh, happy birthday to John Wall, who's 33. Jeff Foxworthy, 65. Clint Frazier, 29. Derek Lee, 48. And former Ranger Mitch Moreland is 38. And on this day in 1781, British Brigadier General Benedict Arnold. Mm. Yes, that guy. Former <laughs> Patriot officer, already infamous and much maligned for his betraying of the United States in the previous year, adds to his notoriety by ordering his British command to burn New London in Connecticut. They also attacked and captured Fort Griswold, of course, uh, across the River Girton, in Girton, Connecticut, excuse me, slaughtering the Americans after they surrendered following the Battle of the Heights. All three deeds were done just a few miles down the, the Thames River in Norwich, where Arnold had grew, uh, grew up. However, British casualties were high. Nearly one quarter uh, of the force was killed or wounded, and uh, his boss declared that uh, he could ill afford any more such victories. Hmm. And that is this day in sports history. 6.50 this morning here on the morning drive. A couple of the Astro fans are a little braggadocious this morning. Syntax Hank says order has been restored to Major League Baseball. Astros are back in first and life is once again as it should be. Uh, careful. It's just uh, it's, it's a slim margin. A lot of baseball left. Uh, ben writes in Astros in first all alone with two exclamation points. Again, be careful how much... Laughing you do as the hearse goes by. You may be the next to die. Um, 
Brett McMurphy has put together. Have you ever heard that little little song? From you, but I don't think that's what they were doing. They weren't laughing at the Rangers' struggles. They were being proud of the Astros' I know, but just be, victories. Be careful how much you beat the chest, right? Because, you know. Could, <laughs> I'm sorry. You are who? <laughs> Where is Chuck Hines and what have you done with him, right? Yeah. <laughs> Got you. understand. Uh, in syntax, Hank responds to Ben, says, as they should be. Uh, Brett McMurphy put out an interesting list. He he put the Big 12 uh, football coaches' favorite musical artists uh, by their name. You want to take a guess who Joey McGuire's is? His favorite artist. Uh, Tupac Shakur. No, that is Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. Okay. You've seen this or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Jeff, have you seen this? I have not. Do you want to take a guess at Joey McGuire's uh, favorite artist? Johnny Cash. It's country. A little George more. George Strait. George Strait is correct. George Strait is correct. I mean, the fact that he's a hardcore Texan, be a yeah, that'd be a good guess if you right. if you just start went straight up that way. <clears throat> right. Uh, was uh, any of your favorite artists on this list? I don't remember seeing any of them. Okay. Uh, let's see, uh, Jeff. Where does Prince kind of fall on your list? Ultimate respect, not a huge fan. Okay, that's uh, Mike Gundy's favorite artist. How about uh, the Cars? You fan? They're of the... okay. I, I wouldn't put them in the category of a favorite artist, but they're okay. I like the Cars. Uh, Gus Malzahn from uh, Central Florida. Um, where does Van Halen look like on your list? I mean, we did an entire day when Eddie died, so yeah, I'm. A, I like Van Halen. How about you, Van Halen? They're you, okay. They're yeah. okay. I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm with stuff. Jeff. I. I love Van Halen. Uh, Iowa State's. Matt Campbell. What's your favorite Van Halen song? Uh, I don't know. Give me one, Jeff. <laughs> Come on, hot for teacher. Jump. <laughs> yeah, I mean. jump. What jump was the first one that came to my mind? Eruption. Hot for teacher. I like that yeah. one too. Uh, Jamie's favorite. What's that? Your favorite's hot for teacher. Yeah, no question. Yeah, yeah. Um, how about uh, Bob Marley? Is Bob Marley on your list at all? No. Everything is Irie, man. Uh, that's BYU's uh, coach's. Uh, favorite wow that doesn't fit at all yeah right uh dave matthews man do you, you, you fan there at all yeah me neither it's fine yeah. I, I don't hate, I, it. I don't yeah. hate dave matthews i just yeah. it, i wouldn't go pay to see him dave aranda and sunny dykes um both are big uh dave matthews band fans uh how about post malone who do you think who do you think post malone is matched up with on this list steve sarkeesian no i already mm-hmm. told you tupac for steve sarkeesian oh. Clearly, that's him being sarcastic. You think? And not really participating. You think? You think Steve Sarkisian's listening to Tupac rap? Yeah. You do? I do. I mean, California guy, you know, it's about about the right age for that. Um, What was the question? Post Malone. Post Malone. Who do you think matches up with him? Well, I would guess one of the youngest coaches. Think, uh, think one of the new teams to the Big 12. Cincinnati's coach. Uh, Dana Holgerson. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Kane Brown is Oklahoma's uh, Brent Venables. Gundy likes Prince. Told you that. Neil Brown. What do you think he's? What do you think he's listening to? John Denver. Zach Bryan. But that was a funny answer. That was a funny answer. You guys kind of mocked me on this, but that's okay. Uh, Six fifty. <laughs> Six fifty-four. 
this morning here on the morning drive. Thoughts, comments, Yates Flooring Center chat line. Somebody asked real quick, when does Josh Young come back? Uh, they're saying two to three weeks, so right. look towards the end of September. Um, and then Robert says, with regard to Van Halen, Panama. Yeah, I love Panama. I'm right oh, there with him. That's a great one. Yeah, yep. great, great thought there, Robert. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Thank you for being with us. Jamie Lint, Jeff McGuire, and I'm Chuck Hines. It uh, is nice to hear from you on the Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to double T 97.3.com for that or the mobile app. Visual Edge IT hotline is open as well at 806-771-0973. Okay. Uh, Oregon's coming off of a historic win. <laughs> just in terms of points scored. Uh, they beat Portland State 81-7. to seven. Uh, Their 74-point win is their largest margin of victory, Jamie, since being beating Willamette by 97 in 1916. Oh, I met Will back in the day. <laughs> Willamette. Yeah. Okay. Uh, their quarterback, Bo Nix, went 23-27, 287, three touchdowns. Uh, Bucky Irving, their Big stud running back, four rushes, 119 yards, and two touchdowns. And then they had a pair of receivers that went over 100. Troy Franklin, seven for 106 and two TDs. Gary Bryant Jr., seven for 102 TDs. So Coach Joey McGuire was asked um, on Monday what you can take from that from Oregon after last week. Yeah, just their playmakers, you know. Bo's a year older, too, and, and he's a seasoned quarterback. I mean, he's a guy that could have come out and he would have got drafted, you know, and he decided to come back. And, I mean, I love whenever guys do that. I think it's great for the, the player to keep growing. I think it's great for the university. Um, and, and so you see uh, that he's more decisive uh, throwing the football. Um, he's got a big arm, so, you know, you saw that last year. Um, but – you know, you see their playmakers. I mean, they're extremely explosive on offense. This is going to be one of the best backs um, and backfield that we face all year long, um, but probably the best back we face all year long. And so um, you, you see that. That jumps off. And then they have a quad uh, – uh, they're, they're different on defense. I mean, they have some returning starters, but they also have a bunch of guys that just be their first year starting for Oregon, not college football, but first year starting for Oregon. And, uh, and so you see the improvement on that side of the ball. You know, you can probably make a case this will be, without question, maybe the best team that you'll face at home since before you get to K-State. Who knows where K-State will be at that point in time. The, Oregon may be better than them, certainly – it may be more explosive, probably more explosive offensively. Um, and, and maybe the best team that you'll face um, until potentially Texas. And we don't know what Texas is going to look like, you know, the day after Thanksgiving. So this is it's a huge, huge task uh, when you when you look at how explosive their offense is and can be. It's a big test for your defense. Yeah, no, no question. This, uh, the challenge is real. Uh, that's an offense that's uh, loaded with playmakers all over the place. You don't score 81 without having plenty of depth because you know that those were second and third string guys getting the job done too. Uh, at the same time, Portland State, State is you know not the toughest of competition, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to ask act like uh, Oregon can't be beat or slowed down. I wouldn't guess you're going to shut them down, but I would guess you can slow them down and give yourself a chance if your offense is able to get going again. Yeah. Uh, Tim DeRuiter 
uh, was asked on, and remember, he coached at Oregon, uh, came to Lubbock uh, from Oregon. There's a, there's a little bit of left uh, there from, from when he was there. It's a different coach. But he was asked about, with regard to his defense, after assessing the film and what they did against Wyoming, what they need to address going forward. Uh, well, a couple things. Uh, I, I thought, for the most part, we fit the run pretty well. You know, seeing a two-back attack, very different than what we're, we're used to. Um, what we did not do a very good job of was staying pass rush lanes against their quarterback. We let him convert some third downs uh, that we we uh, uh, got to fix immediately because we're playing a quarterback this week that can really hurt you with his legs. Uh, we weren't disciplined as a football team. We had way too many penalties, and uh, particularly on defense that extended their drives that that really. Um, you know, it was one of the big reasons they, they were able to, you know, continue their drives, and we got to get that fixed. Uh, so those were the, the, the major things. And then down on our red zone defense, we, are, you know, we, did, we had poor communications a couple times. So, I mean, you talk about, you know, having to make big adjustments and big improvement from week one to week two. Um, for the defense to keep you in the game, it's, it's got to be a massive improvement from week one to week two. Yeah, but I don't think those guys played that bad. I mean, you gave up 20. On the road, I, mm-hmm. I don't think our defense played that bad. Uh, I also, but I think you're going to face a much, much more talented team. Uh, there's no question. But I'll take your defensive performance last week of 20 in regulation and, and feel like you'll win a lot of games if you're you're able to do that. Um, there, there, no question. I mean, that was one of the things that felt like every time you blitzed or came after the quarterback, he hurt you tucking and running and, and picking up yardage on Saturday night. And that was one of the things during the game that was really frustrating to me is this that you'd get there and he'd escape, and so it wouldn't end up being a negative play. It would end up being a big positive play for them and credit their quarterback, who I thought was mediocre at best. But I thought he was good at, you know, escaping the pocket and, and you know, making something positive out of those kind of plays. But you've got to be way better and – way more discipline that in your your blitz lanes and and all that good stuff as far as your you know if you're going to force a guy you've got to force him to help and not you got to set the edge and not let him get on the outside of you and 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 create that open space out there in the flat and it felt like their guy was able to do that a bunch so uh, Bo Nix um last year uh had a, he had a big year. He was uh, fifth in the FBS with 44 total touchdowns, 29 passing, 14 rushing, and one receiving touchdown. Uh, he was first among all uh, quarterbacks with 14 rushing touchdowns, tied for second uh, in the Pac-12 and number 16 in the nation um, overall. And so he he poses a lot of problems, and that, that has traditionally been, no matter who the coach is or the defensive coordinator, Stopping that quarterback run has just been, it seems like, an Achilles heel. Yeah, I think all teams, you know, I just hate seeing a quarterback run against them. And I don't think we're the only team that's... No, it's not an exclusive problem. Yeah, yeah, but it's definitely an area, like you said, that over the years has been frustrating for Tech fans with our inability to do it. It's just kind of stood out uh, over time. Uh, One last thing from... I feel like we've been better in recent years, though. Okay. Uh, one last thing. Uh, here's Coach DeRuiter on uh, Oregon's offense. Well, it's, it's t- a totally different animal that we're playing this week. Uh, uh, Oregon has elite athletes. Uh, they've recruited at a very, very high level. Um, they are, you know, long and, and fast and, you know, very athletic. 
Uh, they've got a quarterback that's playing, I believe, his sixth year of football, uh, who's played a ton of games, who's, you know, depending on who you talk to, the top senior quarterback uh, in the country. He's the kind of guy who, like last week, can beat you with his legs, maybe even more so because he's got more speed, um, but throws the ball extremely well as well. Uh, so he puts a lot of stress on you, and they've got targets like Troy Franklin uh, that are, are excellent football players, and they've got a couple really good tight ends that, that were there when I was there in Terrence Ferguson. And, um, you know, they've got a lot of weapons. Um, we've got to learn them from the mistakes that we, we uh, made last weekend, um, get those things corrected. Uh, these guys are going to try to run the football, but they're going to do it in a little bit different ways, more like our offense does. I, I think they're, they're more of an 11 personnel team. Uh, they will run some 12 uh, and give you some, some issues there that, that we've got to you know, get fixed. Um, but you know, as far as a matchup, this is a heck of a challenge for us, and I, I anticipate this will be a great week of practice to get there. That's uh, Tim DeRuiter, who was previously at Oregon and uh, now with the Red Raiders. Hey, we got good tight ends here, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we should use them. Okay, yeah, right. Well, hopefully. I hopefully. think it would be fun if we threw them the ball. Threw them the ball? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think you're I think you're right. I mean, people is... I uh, mean, do we have good... We think we have good tight ends. Mm-hmm. We presume mm-hmm. that we have good tight ends. Yeah, you... Uh, Seeing a lack of evidence, though. Yeah. Uh, somebody said this, uh, Shuck needs to talk to Mahomes about tight ends helping the passing game. And then uh, Jeff McGuire uh, chiming in, louder for people in the back, right? Yeah. Louder for people in the back. I don't think Tyler Shuck has a Travis Kelsey, but I still think he has good ones. He does. Kelsey's he pretty special. He's pretty special. Yeah. Um, not right now, though. Yeah, he's a little dinged up. We'll see what happens with him tomorrow night when the uh, – NFL gets underway with the Chiefs and the Lions, a game you'll hear on 100.7 The Score at 6.30. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time now for Jamie's question of the day on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3. What's what's rolling around in your noggin this morning? Oh, wow. Uh, A lot of things, but I'm going to ask you this question. Is it simple? Yes. Okay, good. Very simple. Okay. Very simple. Just one answer. Mm-hmm. You have to remember something you've previously said, though. Okay. Okay. Goodness. I want to know after last Saturday, mm-hmm. how much has your season prediction mm. changed? Well, yeah. I mean, you obviously, all three of us had Wyoming as a win. Sure. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't say, "Meh, I think we're going to get one of those other ones instead mm-hmm. and still end up with the same record. Yeah. But it also doesn't mean that when you lost that game, it only changes it by one because you mm-hmm. could say, well, if we're, you know, if we can only score 20 points a game, I don't think we'll win as those other ones that I thought we would have. You know, um, I think I'm going to hold with where I am at nine and three because uh, I think. I think that uh, while I predicted an Oregon loss, and if that holds true, then you know you'd have to go you know nine and nine and one or ten and one down the nine and one down the stretch to finish up nine and three. But I, I feel I don't know. I feel better about about Baylor, but I mean Baylor's allowed to improve as well, um, and that that I had as a loss, and I don't I don't have an opinion. My opinion hasn't changed on Texas in terms of. 
of that being uh, a loss. So I, th- I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna hold with where I am right now. So I'll I'll stick with nine and three, but it's it's very shaky. Um, I, I would certainly feel better about nine and three if you could beat Oregon. Last week in our official prediction, I said eight and four. Everyone was shocked because you know I'm the eternal pessimist. Yeah, we're down. I didn't know that you jumped up. Yeah, I jumped up to eight because every time I did the schedule, I kept coming up with Mm -hmm. eight. That's right. I remember you saying that. And at some point, I just have to accept that I'm going to say eight now. Um, Yeah, we're back down to seven. Um, You lose next week or this week, and um, that could, depending on how it looks, it could take a big tumble. Okay. As we sit here right now, you think they're going to win this week? I had it as a loss. Yeah, me too. But Uh, it's um, also how it looks as the loss mm -hmm. that could go from seven to five in a hurry. This one's a little bit difficult for me, but I think I'm kind of leaning like Chuck is leaning. I I think two games, uh, really, there's three games. I think there were three other Big 12 teams that didn't look so hot. BYU in a 14-0 win over Sam Houston State at Mm -hmm. home. I had that as a win. Uh, TCU in their 45-42 loss. I didn't think TCU looked good really at all in that game. I think that was a a factor in Colorado looking so good was that TCU did not. Okay. I also had TCU as a win. And then the third one is Baylor. Okay. So Baylor is one that I had as a loss. And I feel better about your chances against Baylor after last weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. so I'm I think I'm sticking at eight and four. I don't think I'm bouncing out of that role at this point. So and it really had more to do with the other teams than it did you. Yes. Okay. And again, I'm just I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm the eternal optimist here, Chuck. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think you're as bad of a football team as you played like on Saturday night. I think you had a bad night. Mm-hmm. I think you had a bad night. On the offensive side of the ball, I think your offensive line is going to be better. I think your quarterback play is going to be better. I think your I, running I, game is going to be better, too. I hope it is. Yeah, I'd like to believe so. Well, that has a lot to do with your offensive line. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think you're going to play better than you did. I also have this week still as a loss. Okay. So that means you're going eight and two the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. We, we you asked the question last week. I want to say it was Thursday, of what would have to go wrong for Texas Tech. I think we nailed it, by the way. But with all of our answers, I think they all happened and it all went wrong Uh, when we were discussing about the offensive line not being as good, the linebackers not being as good as we expected, not being able to move the ball, getting wrapped up in the the hype a little bit. I think we hit every single thing last week when you asked that question between the three of us. Yeah, the injury at at the linebacker position does scare me moving forward mm-hmm. because it did look like you didn't have quite the depth but you're not playing you're moving guys around so you're not you're not playing some freshman or redshirt freshman that hasn't played a bunch of snaps you're moving a more veteran player into that slot and so i, I don't know maybe maybe that adjustment will we won't see the drop off that we worry that we will but um yeah i i just i think saturday night was was a was a bad night Okay, I think it was a bad night. I think you're a better football team than that. I think you will be through the course of the year, um, and I, that's why I'm not panicking at this point. I'm still incredibly disappointed that he laid an egg on the opening sure. night, and it kind of 
<laughs> soured the rest of this the well, the, the schedule for a little bit. <laughs> you got to go get some really good wins in order to unsour it. You know where? Yeah, that's fair, Jeff. That's fair. Especially knowing that what's coming up. Right. Right. Knowing mm-hmm. that. Um, but you could get on a little bit of a roll here. Obviously, I mean, Tarleton State, West Virginia, Houston, Baylor before you face uh, Kansas State on October the 14th. So maybe, you know, maybe you get on a little bit of a roll. Um, here we go, 10 and 1 going into Texas. Yeah, here we- <laughs> well, I, you know, and, and, I, and people have made this comparison, and I don't know if it's a fair comparison because I think you have, I think you have to do it to be, to, to get that comparison. I think K State had had done some of that in the past to earn that kind of that not the past so to speak but hey this team will get better as the season goes on because they've mm-hmm. historically done that with Kleiman and, and even with Bill Snyder but you know they lost to Tulane last year yeah who was ended up being a really good team yeah but I mean still they, <laughs> but they, Wyoming, Wyoming yeah. could I mean they could still be okay I mean they could still be yeah pretty good. I don't think they'll be what Tulane, Tulane was, was last yeah, year yeah um, I feel like a little bit, you just call me a, I don't know, silly for this one, but I feel like a little bit like... Call you we, what? Ooh, call silly. you silly? Okay. Call me silly. We have to take down all of our billboards in Lubbock that said, fall is fun again. <laughs> <laughs> like after last weekend, we have to take them down. The and we're, and we're all, we're all, you know, now we're, we've gone from being so excited about mm-hmm. this matchup with Oregon to like, oh man, we got to take our medicine against Oregon. And then, then we'll put the billboards back up because then we can start feeling like, okay, rest of the way, we got this. Mm-hmm. We got a shot. And I, I really do. I, I think the Red Raiders have a shot this weekend. I, I, I probably won't pick them, but it wouldn't be the biggest shock at all to see Tech just come back with a great performance and win. I mean, you just see it too many times in college football. Well, if you could get out to a 17 nothing lead on Oregon, then that would, I think. And then not score again for three quarters. <laughs> no, no, no. And then keep your foot. Firmly on the gas. I'm, you know what? For the rest of time, I'll never be excited about a 17-0 lead. Yeah. I'll be worried the whole time. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. No doubt. Um, you know, you, you look at football theory and, you know, everyone talks about having, you know, seven or eight guys in the box. Well, you, you know, when the quarterback's part of the running game, that's the hat that's not accounted for, you know, if you're going to have a safety in the, in the middle of the field. So... Uh, you've got to do some things to try to change pictures so that it's not obvious to the quarterback whether or not it should be a good you know time to, for him to pull it uh, and actually run it. And then on you know particularly for uh, I think for uh, the quarterback we're facing this week, he does a great job of you know if the you know play down the field is not there, extending the play, and if it's you know still not there, taking it, and running it, and making big plays. And that's where you've got to. Uh, really limit the damage that's done by someone like that. And you're right, it gives a lot of defense coordinators, you know, <laughs> a lot of sleepless nights trying to, you know, put all that together. That's uh, Texas Tech defensive coordinator Tim DeRuder talking about Oregon and uh, their quarterback, Bo Nix. Man, that's a that's a great quarterback name, isn't it? Bo Nix. Yeah, it's a pretty cool one. Yeah, yeah. Bo Nix, you know, that's uh I think that's I think that's a good name. Good, so why good. did he leave Old Miss? Did he lose his job there? I I don't I don't know. Maybe he didn't like Lane Kiffin or heard he was coming. Maybe he didn't like the food there. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I I'd, I'd have to. That would require a little research. Just mm-hmm. a little. Okay. Probably wouldn't take a whole lot. Um. 
So, yeah, I mean, he poses a big problem. You know, one of the things we haven't talked about, and there are still are some players there, but it's a different coaching staff. It's a different situation. But, you know, obviously Tyler Shuck uh, spent some time there, and he was he was the quarterback. He was a starter there for a period of time, 31 of 47, 338 yards uh, last week for Tyler Shuck and the three touchdowns. Um, but, um, you know, they've – I think they've they've all talked to him, uh, Zach Kitley and Coach Joy McGuire. In fact, Coach McGuire texted him uh, before Monday's press conference and maybe even Sunday, and talked to him about being a captain for this week. Um, they 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 want to they want to make sure that it's not like he doesn't try to do too much or try to make it his Super Bowl or so. And I think because there's been enough time between when he was there and it's not like he was just there last year it's not like this coaching staff you know said hey you're not good enough to start here it was the previous staff you know there's like i said there's there's still some guys left on the team that i'm sure he knows and was friends with or teammates with blah 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 um but i mean and and coach zach kitley he 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 made comment he goes you know basically you know he said when when he was here with Houston Baptist, you know, taking on the Red Raiders, that um, there was a little extra there for him, you know, to, to try to win um, because it was, you know, his hometown. And and uh, not that he, he certainly didn't say he was wronged here or anything along those lines, but just, you know, it's natural. When you've been somewhere, you grow up somewhere, and, um, you know, you would – he said uh, he said he's a pro. He said he's got to get him some easy plays early, get him settled in. Uh, not have to do too much, uh, but he said it. It uh, can't be a Super Bowl, but it means something. Then, then he went on to say, like me with Houston Baptist. So I think that's fair. Uh, that it would mean a little extra for him to to beat Oregon. Yeah, I mean, probably so. You know, there's there's a lot to be said there, but they've had uh, multiple talks with uh, with Tyler Shuck about that. Maybe maybe the thing, and we've we've certainly talked about it. But one thing that you certainly would 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 love to see, and, and maybe it's the the game tying field goal that you hope he remembers the most, and then the the extra point that he made in in the overtime, the first overtime. Uh, but Coach Joy McGuire asked about how they get Gino Garcia forgetting about the missed field goals uh, last week against Wyoming. Now you know uh, when you have a game like that, there are so many things that like literally there's one play, and it's not just one play. Like I could name a. 60 of like one things that could happen you know and so when I talked to Gino yesterday and we sat down we went through and I said okay what happened here what happened here and what happened here whenever you did make this one okay that's what you got to focus on because you know there's nothing that you did Saturday that lost us the game um and because I could point to another x amount of plays you know that um, if we do this, um, then the game's different. And so he's just like everybody else on the team. It's just there's like a bigger spotlight on him because, you know, he goes out there and he's maybe has one attempt or like in that game he had five attempts and so it shows up. And so you, again, with him, go back to your mechanics, go back to why. You know, the, the play right before half, um, you know, uh, it, it's one of those deals that we call it a whistle play. So we have it on the offense to where we've got to snap the ball on the whistle, and then we've got it in the kicking game. We've got to snap the ball on the whistle. 
Um, so he was expecting uh, Mac to stick his hands out. He goes off the timing of that. But on the whistle play, you can't do that because you are not – if you do that, then you're, the time's out. You're not going to get the ball snapped. And, and so – uh, you know, he was a little late on the kick, and it was great to hear him talk talk me through it. And so you do it that way. You know, it's logically why you miss this. Okay, well, let's focus on this, you know. And um, he's a strong guy. You know, he's done this. He's kicked last year, kicked, you know, at HBU. And so he's going to come back and uh, have – it was good that he sent us into overtime because now that gives him confidence that his last kick is what – got us into overtime and so you've you build off of that that's uh joey mcguire and like i said maybe the best thing for um gino garcia was hitting that field goal to tie up the game because that's what you're going to remember that's that's the last thing you remember is when it is that plus the the extra point in the overtime yep those are two positive things that yeah. happened to him after that so that's good um that's great i, I just i still going to reserve the right to be nervous sure no i think that's i think that's fair i, I think that's i think that's fair and, and if he comes out and you, you hope that he doesn't have to kick any field goals on saturday you hope that he's just kicking extra points be nice yeah be nice i mean seven as are, long as of them it's like five or six of them right not just one or two no yeah. i got it because you're probably going to need what do you think you think you need 42 points to win saturday think you went need one more uh, than 35 to win on saturday uh, what does a Red Raider win look like? Does it look like 48, 45, something like that, where your offense really has to explode? I'd like to think you can hold them under 40, but... you got to get some turnovers to be able to do that, you know? I, I'm, I'm going to say it's lower. I'm, I'm going to say it's... If you can hold them under... Under 40. That's the number I'm going with. Okay, so you're going to need 41 or 42 Yeah. to, to make that happen. Uh, by the way, just a quick correction. Bo Nix was at Auburn, uh, not at... Auburn. Not, not, not at... Uh, my bad. Uh, Ole Miss. That's right. Thank and, you. And basically the the Auburn kind of what, what you're hearing or what you saw, what I see from that standpoint is that he just felt like he needed a change of scenery where he could go... Uh, be in a different spot uh, in uh, in Oregon uh, provided that for him um, and uh, so he he uh, he got that opportunity so anyway so no sick great great grandmother on her mother on his mom's side that you know yeah. needs to go take care of or anything yeah. as far as I know that was his first transfer so that's that's he that's legal and he had a COVID year in there too which is why he's gotten the the sixth year um, somebody said this he was at Good. Auburn don't think he meshed with a coach uh, they just fired not miles on the one after him. Also, he had kind of struggled, and a large portion of the fan base was frustrated with him, like Tech fans are with Shuck. But SEC levels of frustration, <laughs> SEC levels of frustration. <laughs> those are those are higher levels of frustration. SEC levels of frustration just means more. That's what they tell you, right? Mm-hmm. The frustration means more. Yeah, they tell you that just means more. All right, 825. Man, um, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but I'm going to give you some quotes uh, from a um, TCU linebacker on his uh, team's performance and uh, what he had to say about his defensive coordinator. This has been the Morning Drive Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.